Welcome to Marketing with Confidence. I'm your host, Marianne Amies. We're going to be talking all things digital and online marketing for business owners and marketing professionals. If you've been feeling overwhelmed by your digital marketing, be sure to listen along and you'll hear tips, interviews and more that will give you the confidence to create marketing you love. Welcome back to Marketing with Confidence. I have a super special episode today. Firstly, episode 50. I'm not sure uh, where the time has gone. And starting a podcast, one of the biggest things um, I was conscious of was making the commitment. And I didn't want to start something and not stop it. So to get to a 50th episode feels like a massive achievement. And I thought, you know, how to celebrate, what to do that's a bit different. And I'm so excited today to be joined by my good friend and business colleague, Beck Hughes. Hi, Beck. Hi, Marianne. How are you feeling? (laughs) Nervous. So I have roped Beck in to um, help celebrate by asking me questions I've never seen or heard of before. (laughs) I mean, other people celebrate with champagne and and cake. I have gone the inflicting random pain upon myself. Uh, But every time Beck and I have recorded podcasts together, we have had an absolute ball. We we have amazing chemistry. Our podcast on The Walking Dead may or may not come out in the next few years once we have some time. Or maybe it's just on zombie and post-apocalyptic series in general. Um, but yeah, I, I love, I love all my conversations with Beck. Beck and I meet every fortnight and we, uh, do accountability, which is, which is massive and such an important thing in your own business or your own career is to have somebody that you can just talk about what's going on and can hold you accountable and give you fresh ideas. And, um, it's been a a huge help in, in business land and in personal land and, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm rambling because I'm nervous. So Beck, I'm over so to you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, look, first of all, I want to say I feel very honored <laughs> to be asked to do this. And I hope I do it justice. I know you will. <laughs> but I also want to say, and I will like I'll fight you on this. Uh-huh. Marianne genuinely doesn't know what I'm gonna ask her today. <laughs> So none of the BS, this is not for optics. Yeah, not for optics. She genuinely doesn't know what these questions are. And I don't even really know where it's going to go either. (laughs) (laughs) Come with us. (laughs) Yeah, just come along for the ride. But I do have questions, but we'll see where it goes. But what I want to do with Marianne is get a little bit deep. I don't think there'll be tears, but there will be giggles. But we're going to talk business. And we're going to talk personal too. Oh. And we're going to get some of the inside goodness, hopefully. Oh. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. Me too. All right. Okay. Are you ready? Look, we might start with an easy one, I think. <laughs> Literally on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think that it's important to talk about this one. And I personally think that people would love to hear this from you. So, and for me coming from a brand perspective, obviously I think that purpose is important in our brand and in what we do. And allegedly everyone should have a purpose, which goes beyond making money. Yeah. 
So I would love to know from you, what is yours? But I want to know what your purpose is in your business, but also in your personal life. Because the two are different, I think. And I don't think we can necessarily, I think the two can touch each other, but they're not necessarily the same thing. So you've got to come up with two. Okay. I love this. So funny. I felt for a really long time intimidated by this concept of purpose because I think when I looked or when I listened, purpose always seemed to be about, you know, greater good. You know, my purpose is to run my business so that I can fund an orphanage in another country. And I mean, that's an amazing purpose. But I I didn't have something so big and so big picture or and so I used to feel that I didn't have a purpose because of that, because I didn't have a good enough purpose, if that makes sense. And then I started working with the amazing Amy from Craft Coaching. And, you know, we we talked about purpose and it became very obvious and I probably always knew it that my purpose has always been people. Um, I, funnily enough, of course, exist to make money and make a profit, but I've never run my business that way. I, you know, I, I'm extremely financially astute and I love my numbers as anybody who knows me would know, but my you know, sometimes to my demise, my 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 focus hasn't always been on how to be the most profitable. It really has been about how to help. And so I think in the business where I get my most satisfaction and therefore what my purpose is, it is really helping others. And and it sounds so cliche and a lovely thing to write on paper, but I I actually get no bigger joy and satisfaction than from helping. And that that extends both to, you know, the business owners I work with, but also my team. You know, now that I reflect, I've launched the careers of so many young marketers that have joined me, you know, out of uni or in uni and now work for, you know, massive brands and, and have these, you know, amazing careers. And that, that sort of launch pad for them, I feel really, really wonderful about now as well. When I think about my personal life, <laughs> and and again, I you know I think it's the nature of having a business, and I've had a business for thirteen years, um, so business and and life are so entwined, and it, and it's hard to separate them. Um, I think my personal purpose it really comes back to kind of my family and and my children, you know, and think my purpose is to raise my kids to be the best of what they can be and I have no expectations you know I I grew up in a household well oh (laughs) I grew up in a household where my expectation was to be a wife because I came from a very um, traditional European upbringing but say for my brothers their expectations were to be doctors because you know everybody should be a doctor or a lawyer and the expectation on me was to be a good wife, uh, so to be a nice housewife. <laughs> Anyone that knows me knows that I've failed on all domestic fronts. <laughs> I'm just not domestically inclined. Um, but I think, you know, for my children, what I want for them is them to be the best of whatever they want to be, you know, whether they want to be an artist or whether they want to be an explorer or, you know, whatever it is, just be the best of what you can be. And I think my purpose is supporting them to see, you know, the infinite possibilities of their lives. It's a thread there because I think it's a thread of wanting to support people and get the best for people. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a clear link. And we have lots of conversations because I know you've got clients that you've had for 10 plus <laughs> years who still rely on you and still love you. And I think that speaks to or evidences that purpose in a very yeah. real way. So thank you. Love that. And I can see that in you. You're a good, you're good people. <laughs> so you touched on it, and it is something I want to talk about as well, is the idea of, well, first and foremost, is it data or data? Educate me. Oh. <laughs> what did I say, data? Did I say data and not be like stoned by every Australian No, person? you're fine. I appreciate, you know, you, I love your accent. I've said I like to listen to your podcast while I go to sleep. Um, <laughs> well, look, it's your podcast, so I'll say data. Data. Is no, very- not data. It's not data, <laughs> but I would say data, but I wouldn't say data. Look, I know data is extremely, it's something you talk about a lot. It's something mm. that's important to you. So I just want to get into a little bit of, number one, why is it so important to you mm. in the context of what you do? But I kind of want you to convince me <laughs> that it is as sexy as you suggest. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I feel like in the last, I don't know, five years, three years, five years, data has become more important to me or maybe I've felt the confidence to talk about how important it is and not be embarrassed um, by, you know, I get so many team members come through that tell me they're terrible at numbers. You know, I'm terrible at numbers. I'm terrible at math and da, da, da. And I always say, well, you know, maybe you haven't enjoyed it or maybe, you know, and it's a muscle. It's a muscle that you can build. I, you know, why do I love it so much? I think I, you know, I am a creative person. I'm a very intuitive person, but then I do love fact and I do love to problem solve. And I think what data does is gives me evidence to problem solve against. So, you know, it can back up a theory. It can... I don't know. It, it brings comfort. It brings comfort to go, you know, I wanted to achieve this. Now I can look at the numbers. Did I achieve it or didn't I? Or I, I improved this. Let's look at the numbers. Did it impact it or didn't it? And I think it's that justification. Maybe it's um being the youngest child of the family, always trying to, you know, prove yourself. I find the data is a, is a great justification. And you know, why can't it be sexy? Why can't an Excel spreadsheet just be so sexy? I, yeah, I love Excel and I fall into absolute rabbit holes. Like I can, I can spend three hours looking at data different ways because I, it literally excites me. Like I will go, oh, what about this? Oh, but what about that? Oh, what about this? <laughs> Before you know it, I've made multiple spreadsheets, charts, pivot tables, you name it. And I love it. We need all sorts of people in the world, Marianne. Yes. And even people who find Excel spreadsheets sexy. Freaks like me. <laughs> it's interesting that you said about you find it a comfort. Yeah. A lot of people, they find it a bit scary. It's almost yeah. like they don't want to. I don't want to look at the numbers because I don't yeah. want to know. I don't yeah. want to know what I need to improve. I don't want to know what's working. And I think it's a really good and interesting potential reframe to kind of go, well, there's comfort in knowing because then you can do something about it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing. I'm such a, I'm such a problem solver. Actually, my my husband on the weekend complained about my need to problem solve everything. And no, I mean he we was saying he's saying like we're wired really differently. He says, you know, my I see problems like a stream, like they float past their ideas, their concepts, they go. He's like, you see a problem and it's like, okay, 
right, giddy up. Like, what are we going to do? Like, what are the outcomes? And I think that's just how I'm wired. And yeah, I think for me, numbers are another another avenue to solve the problem. Oh, I like that analogy too. Yeah, he that's came brilliant. up with it. Pretty good. <laughs> he comes up with some good stuff sometimes. <laughs> now, I, I think we won't dwell on this one, but I do feel like we can't have a conversation with and about digital marketing with a digital marketer about yes. her digital marketing business in a world that is all about digital marketing and not touch on your i guess prediction for the future of threads oh threads hmm i That's think cool. yeah i know i think you know 48 hours after threads launched when everyone was putting out their uh you know dissertations on how to master threads and the how amazing threads is going to be. My view then and my view now is that, you know, the younger sibling of Facebook and Instagram will always thrive because it has the it has the right uh, lineage to to thrive. I I think that they will they will invest, they will pivot, they will expand, they will make threads work one way or another. Um, and it's interesting, especially in Australia, because we haven't, Twitter hasn't thrived here for over 10 years, in my opinion. Whereas in America and other countries, you know, Twitter was still thriving, you know, maybe up to a year or two years ago. I, I remember it would be 10 years ago, me saying I'm deprioritizing Twitter as a strategy for clients because I don't, I just don't think that platform's going to go well here anymore. So I think that the context for us as Australians is a little bit different as well. We're not sort of so entrenched in Twitter that Threads is like, oh, it's the better version of the thing we always do. So I think it's more of a, you know, context. What could this be for me? Where, where could this lie? Um, I think I think the future of it will will hopefully maintain a you know voice of authority opinion sort of conversation space I I do hope they don't push video and photo to it so that it has a unique difference um I think in some ways it could almost skew towards that LinkedIn sort of audience as well to just be able to put out that thought provoking you know voice of authority kind of uh, content and and have deeper conversations around it without the clutter of image and and brand to some degree. Um, so you know, my prediction is I think twelve months from now it will be markedly different to what we're seeing today, but I think it will it will find a way to thrive. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And look, it's a really interesting thing that you raised that I hadn't really considered is what is brand on threads like? Mm. What is and that's where things like brand voice, yes, on, isn't it? 100% yeah. tone of voice, messaging strategy, 100%. It's not necessarily your visual identity, but it's certainly your communication strategy. Yeah, interesting. We will wait and watch mm-hmm. and in the background <laughs> <laughs> while Twitter rebrands as X. <laughs> oh, my. Bless him. Bless him. That's him. I actually am so agnostic about that. I have mm. no opinion. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm honest, like, yeah. it's sort of another move that is meaningless. It won't stop people using it. It won't no. change anything about the platform. It's just a new name. I agree. Put so much meaning in that sort of uh, stuff where it doesn't actually exist. But I think it even just demonstrates how little the whole investment means to him, you know, because people are sort of like, oh, 
he doesn't have it trademarked and the domain's not owned and all but I think I don't I I think it's just the whole platform is a plaything and to when you have that much money it can be so I think it's really interesting not sure not sure what it means not sure what will happen but it's fun to watch yeah I, the best part of that entire story was that when people jumped onto it when they the, it was announced it was still redirecting to like a GoDaddy. daddy <laughs> <laughs> because I was like welcome to the world of every small business owner he was like is the server down <laughs> welcome to my life <laughs> maybe they were building it on Wix and they hadn't finished yeah yeah look I have a feeling that, that your answer to this is not going to be Elon Musk okay But I would love to know who is one business person that you particularly admire, that you look to their content, that you find them inspiring? Is there one? Yeah. God, that's hard. Like different people for different reasons. Like Mark Boris, I've had a business crush on before I even had a business. I did have an old boss back in like... Oh, 2007, managed to get Mark Burris to email me for my birthday, personal <laughs> life highlights. <laughs> Still got the email. Still got the email. Um, I just think he's had a, he's always felt really approachable and really practical um, and that kind of like hard work ethic. Like it's never had, I, I don't follow him as actively now, but I'm pretty sure he's never kind of gone to that get rich quick buy my program, do my course sort of mentality. Um, So I respect that for longevity of a career. I love watching Simon Sinek. Again, I don't see him as a business owner, but of course he is. But I do just, you know, I do love his content. Um, You know, my, my good friend, Cherie Clonan, I admire her transparency, openness and vulnerability. Uh, Again, you know, it's not, it's not something I, the way that I am and and my values, I I couldn't be that open. But my goodness, between her, both her personal journey, but even just in what she does in her business, her transparency within that, again, like I admire so much because there's just that generosity of spirit that we don't see. And, you know, I think there's just so much clutter in the, you know, my seven figure this, my multi six that, buy my this, download my that, to see someone just openly and honestly giving advice and 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 really sharing the highs and the lows, being able to say this didn't work or this went, you know, poorly. Um, I think we need more of that. So I think that's a, a good little cross section um of, you know, of different people and and voices that that I like to to see and listen to. Yeah, Sherry's a really interesting one because I think one of it was quite some time ago now, but she shared something about her business income and mm. it was you know, digital picnic was well known and still well known, yeah. but they were really growing and they were doing so much. Yeah. And she talked about the business profitability and what she was paying herself. I know. And I was amazed. I mean, she was yeah. she was transparent about it, and I was ma- amazed at what that figure was. Yeah. And what was so important about that was it just immediately chopped down all the perception around you know well-known brands and then you know the perception as an outsider is they're yeah. doing so well and they're yeah. paying all this money and you, you need to aspire to that and if you're not achieving that yeah. then you you're somehow failing but yeah you know she spoke about it and she you, she wasn't paying herself like the yeah yeah it broke down a lot of 
perceptions of what success should look like. Yeah, 100. And 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 again, that gives comfort to people because there are people working their absolute asses off and, you know, turning a small profit, paying themselves less than they'd pay, you know, in a big job. And, and that gives them comfort to go, okay, it's not just me. Like, you know, this business is still worth growing or, you know, there is others that are bigger than me in a, in a similar spot. And I think that relatability and, you know, the the retreats that I've been on with, with craft as well has one of the biggest things of that is realising that all sizes of business, we all feel lonely, you know, and we all feel like we're the only ones. The day when you want to throw it all in, when you're like, why do I have a business? I want to throw it all, like everybody's having those days. It's not just you. And, and I think yeah, we look from the outside and that's probably one of the the downsides of social media. You know, we look at everybody's highlight reel and we judge ourselves and we judge our progress and we judge our our success. Uh, but the reality, you know, the reality is not what's on Instagram generally. So it's refreshing to have somebody, you know, honest and confident enough to tell that truth as well. Yeah. And for me, I think the biggest challenge in that from a personal brand point of view in particular is finding that balance between the, the highlight reel mm. and what I personally find a little bit problematic at the moment, which is the sort of curated vulnerability that exists, yeah. On, yeah. particularly on Instagram. So Ooh, that's a good word for it. <laughs> right? I mean, it's a, that's a kind of conversation in itself. Yeah. And I think without people sharing the vulnerability, we can't have those new views of ourselves and we can't have that kind of refreshed inspiration and you know sometimes something that we think we're failing at you know when you see someone who is Mm. someone you aspire to talking honestly about their own failings it's important yes but it's what I hope is that we can keep doing that in an authentic way and not in a very self-conscious and curated way because that's not helpful agree agree and I think there's there's unfortunately there's voices that have found a way to to build community from you know marketing from their misery you know looking looking at ways to kind of talk about things anything and everything that might be the the poor me story to build community and I think that's very different to actually talking about authentic stresses and pressures in business I think they're two very and I think sometimes it's people don't have anything in column a so they reach for column b which feels like the quick win yeah yeah I completely agree oh that's a juicy one (laughs) this is a juicy one too oh I would love to know because I know you invest a lot in this part of yourself and your business what type of leader do you think you are like how would you describe yourself as a leader this is a two-part question because I do love a two-part question <laughs> you can just answer part one and okay can... okay answering I'm part one. Let you... <laughs> but also what I want to know is what you think are the important qualities in a leader so you yeah. first what type okay. of leader are you okay I think when I'm leading at my best and you know like everyone I'm not always leading at my best when I'm leading at my best I think some of the, you know, my greatest leadership qualities are that I'm really collaborative. I I don't, I don't like to set 
a hard direction and then kind of push that down the line. I love collaboration and, and I have strong opinions and I'll back my opinions, but I also love um, to collaborate. I'm really empowering. I Again, if I see somebody, you know, and I, I love I love this. We just had a new starter recently and I can just see her creativity and I love it and I just want to empower it and I want to give her more scope. I'm sort of like, well, you take over this, you take over that. And I love... Um, yeah, I love to empower other people. I'm extremely empathetic, which is, of course, a pro and a con um, because I hate or I've I, I, I realised I actually physically feel other people's pain and discomfort. So it's really hard for me when I have to have harder conversations with people um, because I will also feel their feelings and it can be really hard to hold and and process uh and and to hold space for them and let them be angry or upset or disappointed and and not want to fix it as i said i'm a bit of a fixer um so i think you know i think there's that <laughs> um and <laughs> i can look at the data and fix it. <laughs> the data suggests um, and I think, you know, if I can say it without seeming to, uh, you know, um, I can't think of the word in love with myself. I think I'm a fun leader. You know, I, I, fun is a massive value of mine and I, I love a good laugh and I love, um, I don't like things to be too heavy. So, you know, I really do try to main, you know, manage stress, manage energy for the for the team and you know and within the team environment and and make sure that we're always you know having time for fun love it and are those are those qualities that you've worked on and focused on to develop as a leader or are there other qualities that you think are important in leadership that you aspire to yeah i think there are other qualities as a leader that that i'd love to develop more i think probably that vulnerability, like actually having those open two-way conversations. Um, I definitely protect probably the team from, you know, a lot of hard things that go on and, and there's probably a bit more vulnerability and openness. I think sometimes also that that vision, I, you know, I am an ideas person, but I find it hard within my own business, probably just to have the time as well as the objectivity to sit back and, and create the strategy. So I think, you know, a, an area as a leader I'd love to develop more is to have that vision and be able to, you know, take others on that journey of, you know, this is where I see us going. And I think it comes from confidence as well. You know, I, I certainly, I have a pretty clear vision of where I want the business to go, but I probably don't spend a lot of time sharing that and taking the team on a journey because I, I again, comes back to the vulnerability and openness, you know. It's sort of like, well, if I share this vision and and we don't make it, then, you know, I don't want to let others down. I don't want to let myself down. Um, yeah. What about you? What do you think are the best? Oh, I'm not, am I allowed to ask you questions? Is that, <laughs> is that in the rules? <laughs> the of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are the uh, – look, I – 100% agree with you that I think collaboration is so important. Mm. And, you know, leadership comes in all different shapes and sizes. And for me, something I talk about a lot, and I talk about a lot with my mm. clients, like other creatives, is, you know, even if you're not a leader of a team, you mm. your other job is to be a leader of your client. Yeah. And it's a very important thing. And so being able 
to keep the ba- like I think a leadership quality is balance overall. Yeah, everything is a balance. Yeah, like being able to be someone who can collaborate but also cut through and make mm. a decision and lead people towards the vision that's a little bit of a balance and that's something yeah I think creatives need with their client there's only so much you can collaborate before things are never going to get decided and move forward yeah but you need a bit of that so yeah I think ultimately probably the biggest thing in in everything is keeping a balance yeah in, in all things that yeah like that, doesn't it no sounds pretty good to me <laughs> All right. I might have to give you a bit of time to think about this one because okay. so I might ask you and then your the like left side of your brain can be thinking about it whilst the right side of your brain's asking answering the rest of my questions. <laughs> so I you to answer this straight. Okay. okay. But what okay. I want to know at the end okay. is you need to choose three people. Oh wow. Dead or alive, famous, fictional, not famous, just three humans. Or non-humans, because I don't think a fictional person can be cast as human. <laughs> That's Semantic. a bit of a philosophical, philosophical <laughs> debate that we could have. <laughs> that you would want to invite to a dinner party. Okay. You need time to think about that? I need lots of time to think about that. You've got the duration of this podcast. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Marianne, quietly Googling whilst we're recording. Yeah. Tap, 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 tap. All right. So we've, we've been talking a bit about kind of diving a bit deep into you you as a leader. Mm. I would also love to know, it's a bit of a cliche question, but I do think that it's always an interesting one, is what would you want to tell, I'm going to be very specific, mm. your 18-year-olds? Oh, gosh. Yeah, 18-year-old Marianne. Oof. That you're going to be a great wife? <laughs> <laughs> So you're going to fail domestically, so don't yeah. don't don't try. Yeah, I think. Oh wow, it's huge. That's a huge one. It makes me feel emotional. We've got we've crossed over into therapy I lines. We'll get tears today. Yeah, I know. We've, we've crossed yeah, over in, into therapy lines now. I think you know, 18, 18 year old me. Um, probably that. In some ways, you will get everything that you want but you'll work for it, you know, and that you'll surprise yourself that you can break down a lot of the barriers. As I said, like my, not that I ever prescribed to it, but the pathway or the, you know, the aspirations for me as a, as a person from my family were never, you know, in line with what I wanted, but I didn't know as a person, especially as a teenager, if I would have the guts to to go against it, and I did. I did a lot of big things that went against it, um, things that surprised myself and always um, I think I surprisingly have always leaped before the net appeared but didn't realise it until later that that's what I was doing. Like I look back on the some of the big decisions I made and ways that I broke away from not just what was expected of me, but probably what the situations I were in, I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, look at you. Like, (laughs) so I I think, you know, telling 18-year-old me that I will, you know, that I will, I'll do the things I want to do, you know, one way or another, we'll, we'll have the confidence to do it and, and we'll, yeah, we'll, be inside you know I I wasn't a popular kid I, I you know I really struggled in high school with friends and things and I think 
yeah, being able to tell 18-year-old me that there's there's just better stuff coming and that we will, yeah, we will do, we'll do really well. We'll do something really different, I think. 18-year-old me thought we were going to be an accountant. <laughs> Poor child. There was some drive towards like giving yeah. your um love affair with data. Yes, correct. Correct. I can oh, see that's right. Yeah, exactly. We just didn't know that data didn't just have to be boring. Um, yeah. And so can I ask? Mm-hmm. Because now I'm going to do a Michael Parkinson. I'm just going to keep like poking you. Till I crack. No, no. Now, if I can ask, mm. obviously your life was mapped out for you for a yeah. little while. You were going to be this kind of great Greek <laughs> um, and and <laughs> homemaker. Yeah. Is anything wrong with that? But, no. you know, we've all got to be able to make our own choice. Yeah. The fact that in some ways you obviously are that. You're an amazing mum and you've created a beautiful life for your family. How do you think your, you know, the people in your life, say maybe <laughs> parents, yeah. think about that you didn't necessarily go down specifically the path they thought was <laughs> for you or laid out for you? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I... My dad loves to ask me who I'm having coffee with today. So my dad loves to, my dad who also, you know, had small businesses himself, loves to ask or, you know, his his favourite joke with me is like, oh, off to the coffee shop today. Oh, who are you having? And I'm like, yes, dad, that's literally all I do. And my brother always says, you know, like, aren't you just the aren't you just the like woman that gets the coffee for the meetings? I'm like, yeah, pretty much. That's all I do. Um, <laughs> and they also were really disappointed. Well, he was, my dad was, when I left accounting. That was like because accounting is a good, stable, uh, logical career choice, whereas marketing is a little bit what is marketing. You know, not everyone needs marketing, but everyone needs an accountant. I mean, I'd argue against it. Um, I think for my mum, I'm She's still, like, I I hear from other people that she's really proud of me. She tells me that sometimes, but she definitely struggles because she can't relate to my life. So she says things to me like, well, um, you chose to be a career woman. (laughs) I think, does this count as being a career woman when you have your own business? I'm not sure. Um, And, you know, definitely the the juggle with the the kids and oh you know or if I go away for work she'll sort of be like oh poor Darren has the kids all to himself for a week I'm like well poor Darren is their biological father so (laughs) he is welcome to have them (laughs) so I think um I yeah I I think now like at this age that they're proud of me I think in my 20s they were very concerned about you know, um, my mum likes to talk about my alternative lifestyle. I do not have an alternative <laughs> lifestyle. So risky. I'm so generic with my mortgage husband and 2.3 children. Um, but my my alternative lifestyle, I yeah, it's it's interesting. I think, and and you know, everyone says about your 40s and all that stuff, but I do think coming into my 40s, I've finally kind of let go of not being that that good uh, you know housewife that that everybody thought I should end up being um yeah. and I feel more comfortable with where I'm at and I I think yeah I think that they are proud but I think they really struggled to see it all unfold yeah yes it would have felt very 
alternative. Yeah. And as a parent now, you understand it differently as well. And, you know, like they were very set in their ways. And so I can imagine, you know, living through that, like I moved out of home before I was married, which is an absolute no-no. Um, <laughs> I traveled overseas. I, you know, I did lots of different bits and pieces. I left accounting wild, just wild. Um, and, you know, as a parent living through that, when that's so different to what's around you and, and your expectations, I can appreciate now as a parent how stressful that is because you can't see the end. You know, when you're in the journey, you can't see the the destination and, and it can feel really scary and confronting. So I can appreciate that now more as a as an adult with, with children. You mentioned that they are proud, but I think that generation do sometimes struggle to express, yeah. don't they? And yeah. I shared something recently that was, because I do love an old saying. Yeah. And one old saying that I used to hear a lot as a kid was pride before a fall. Mm. Which is the idea that you know don't show off basically yeah yeah don't show off don't talk about your own yeah wins because you know you'll then when you you'll get what's coming yeah yeah, you'll feel stupid right you'll have egg on your face and so I shared that in the context of you know I always say to my kids I'm proud of you because you know I think again breaking those kind of old ways of being that you're not allowed to feel proud but Mm. I also always say to them are you proud of yourself? Yeah. Because that feeling of being proud of something you've done, I think is maybe to an extent something that our generation and certainly the generation before, it wasn't seen as being a good thing. It was seen as being like having tickets on yourself, yeah. being a bit full of yourself. So off the back of that, mm-hmm. I would love to know what are you proud of about yourself and your achievements? <laughs> and yeah, I think I think being raised in that situation and I think my family's outlook was very much like what you're saying as well. Um, you know, my my mum still will say things to me about, you know, people, you know, oh, she's always on holidays, like blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, that's really great, mum. Obviously, like they've got to a point where they can be on, you know. So I do, I definitely come from that kind of not envy of other people's success, but how dare somebody else be showing off how how successful and great their life is. And I think, you know, we, especially in the communities that you and I sort of rotate in, there's a lot of noise about, as I said before, my seven-figure this, my five-figure that. And and I look at it and I think, I'm just not the sort of person that's going to get on social media and talk about, you know, my, my successes in my business and and, you know, I'm trying to be more open of that to then actually acknowledge it, you know, if not to to myself, then to, you know, others as well. So it, I think the work that I've done on myself in the last couple of years have helped me to realise, um, you know, I've, I'm really proud that something that started in, you know, at my desk in my lounge room with a newborn is going for 13 years like that. I don't think I ever thought it was a long-term plan. Um, I, I, As I said before, like I'm proud of the number of careers that I've launched and, and, you know, lives I've touched in that way. I guess similarly, I've launched and maintained so many businesses. (laughs) Sometimes I think like, Oh, all those, you know, all those ideas, all those, you know, wow, like I have actually played a role. Like, 
you know, someone works with you for six months or they work with you for 10 years and you do play a role ultimately in the success of that business. Um, and you guide it and, and, you know, and I, and I'm proud of, of that as well. I think if I'm honest, I'm, I'm proud of what I've built all by myself because I, you know, I, I haven't had a business partner. I haven't had an investor. I haven't had, you know, often, a another person in the business driving it and working as hard as me. Um, you know, every client that's come on board, I've I've personally worked with them to get them on board. And I'm, yeah, I, I am proud of that. And I'm proud to have built something slowly and profitably. I have not, you know, I, I always say, I think the business could be much bigger if someone else was the leader, not me. But would it be as sustainable over so many years? I'm not sure. You know, you can ultimately make, you know, three million one year and two years later go bust if you don't manage things right. And and I haven't I haven't made three million um <laughs> in any given year, probably, you know, over a few years. But I I think that, you know, I'm the classic slow and steady, like, you know, and and I'm I'm proud of that. I'm proud not to get caught up in the hype of having to be an overnight success or having to be anything, you know, uh, other than just really, I suppose, impactful and, and you know, making a difference for people. So, yeah. Lovely. <laughs> I think what you've touched on there kind of leads to my next question. <laughs> I, second to last question, because mm-hmm. I'm preparing, is yeah. I think it's a lot of content maybe out in the world at the moment that defines success for us you know you've talked about the seven figure business or you know if you're working more than 20 hours a week you've somehow failed or if your business isn't fully automated you know there's so much sort of content and rhetoric about what success looks like and I would love to see more content around Mm. people defining their own version of success and talking about that so I would love to hear from you what is your version of success? I think my version of success for me is is the word you touched on before, balance. I've worked really hard for a really long time and that's how I'm wired. Like I am wired to, again, it's, it comes down to upbringing, you know, it, it values from, from birth. You know, if you're not working hard, then, you know, you shouldn't deserve to be successful. I also, I, I love the work that I do so that I don't, often it doesn't often feel like hard work for me but it's just I will work you know I I I still am the best employee I try to be at my desk at nine o'clock I you know I just I'm so inherently disciplined it's just and you know I love structure I'm boring um I say you know so success for me would be having my business thrive without having me in it all the time. And, you know, I would love to look after myself better. I'd love to prioritise my own health and well-being better. Um, you know, I'd love to go and do that yoga class at 9.30 and not feel guilty and go into the office afterwards. And, you know, one of my parts of my vision is I have this vision. I just, I want to swan in and out. Like I want to swan into the office, say something important and swan out. <laughs> Do some email. Yeah, have a little and do a story and swan out. Um, you know, I I I think my my vision is for my business to continue to thrive, but I would love to not have to be the only one, I guess, that's 
hinging on that, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And and just balance, better balance in life, more time, more time for my family. It's it's funny when you have small kids, you think that that's when they really need you. And you know, my son's a, about to be a teenager and he's in high school and I'm starting to realize a different amount that he needs me now as well. And, and, you know, this is probably just the whole journey of parenthood. You know, when he's 20, he'll probably need me, you know, or, or my daughter will need me in different ways again. Um, but, you know, we, we build these businesses. And one of the things we tell ourselves is how flexible it is and how great it is. It's so flexible. I think, um, you know, my vision is to actually see that flexibility come to fruition. And look, you touched on a really important thing there, which is the guilt, the guilt. Mm. And I think sometimes that's wrapped up in other people's perceptions of what you should be doing. Like It's really interesting that people think that, you know, work should look like you being at your desk nine till five or work yeah. look like you answering every email within three hours or whatever it should be. It's It's very interesting. And then when you're not doing that, it's then like you're not kind of performing to what success should look like. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And, and you know, so much of that is external pressure and so much of it's internal pressure. It's the stories we tell ourselves as well that are, you know, that are holding us there. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. Thank you, Marianne. But look, oh, we've got to come back you. to who are your three dinner party guests? And you can also, if you wish, share what you'd cook for them. Oh, gosh, Okay. I mean, I've obviously tried to talk and and think about this and not have an anxiety attack in the back of my mind because literally you did not tell me any of this in advance and this would have been nice in advance. The hard thing is I think the success of any dinner party is the combination of people and how they work together. So I, I kind of need to turf that out the window. <laughs> Yeah, you don't, you don't have to worry about the dynamics. In yeah, fact, some yeah. body dynamics probably adds to the flavor. Okay, I would say I would love to have Brené Brown. Oh, good one. Yeah, because I just imagine like just that what you would just get from being in her presence, and I think she'd be fun as well as insightful. Yeah, and I then I'd love to have Simon Sinek. <laughs> And I've, I've listened to them on a podcast together before and, and it's really, really good energy. Um, but again, like, you know, I just think the two of them would be would be quite fun to have together. And quite then, deep. I yeah. That's going to get quite deep. Yeah, it is going to get deep. And then that's the problem. Like when you say dead or alive, then I'm like, oh, I'd really love to have my nana there. She would not. She doesn't speak much English. Um she would not get the gist of what's going on, but I. She passed away ten years ago um, this year, and I, I adore her. I think where, um, you know, she's probably one of the few people in my family where I felt, even though you know her expectations were probably like everybody else's, but I just always felt she just understood me a little bit more than everyone else, and I know she's always with me. Uh, you know, I, I am. Also woo-woo, as you know, and I know she's, I know she, you know, I know she's always, I'm going to say it, she's behind me now. I'm sure she is. Like she's always with me and I feel her always with me and that opportunity to have her for one more dinner. Um, what would I cook? So 
Cooking is probably the only domestically inclined thing that I am good at and I love. I love cooking um, and I do I do think I can cook a good meal. Um, I would probably have to cook something like spaghetti and meatballs or lasagna to show my nana that I have not forgotten all the, the yeah, or all the lessons. Um, and then I think we'd need some like really good dessert because I love dessert. I hate when you go to dinner with those people that don't want dessert. I find that very disappointing. Um, yeah, something really, really good, like maybe some sort of like apple and rhubarb crumble or some sort of like eaten mess or just, yeah, something really delicious. So, and and obviously like a really nice couple of bottles of wine, I think would really just set that dinner party off nicely. So yeah, a very diverse, well, sort of semi-diverse group. I'm not sure about the dynamics, but I think that would be, that would be a really happy night for me. Love it. Oh, that's mm-hmm. so, like, I'm in for the rhubarb, just that. Oh, I know. Such an underrated vegetable. No, <laughs> fruit. <laughs> Root. I don't know. It's rhubarb. Such an underrated thing, rhubarb. Love it. Love me some rhubarb. Or just animal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Object. <laughs> Cookable object. <laughs> Oh, that is so good. I watched, I re-watched for the second time Brene Brown's um, talk on vulnerability on mm. Netflix. Yes. Just so good. I just so, think- so good. I've been consuming. TikTok has noticed my dwell time and has been feeding me a lot more Brene Brown lately. And I, I just love, like, every time you know, everything about fitting in and belonging and perfectionism and, you know, like, I, I every time it's like I hear it new again, I'm like, oh. My gosh, that's so true. Um, yeah, and just to be that enlightened, right? Like to be that, to do the study and and really be that enlightened. I admire that so much as well. Yeah. Well, Marianne, oh. congratulations on 50 episodes, which I think is oh, a huge, huge accomplishment. Thank you. And don't stop. And I can't wait to see your new little thing you've got in the works, yeah. which is just kind of getting a bit tough on some of the marketing yes yes that's out there yes keep your eye out for my uh yeah marketing don'ts essentially <laughs> i know my divisive get ready for the trolls my divisive commentary um but look thank you so much for doing this you didn't put me through too much pain you were quite you were quite gentle actually which was nice but great questions and and things even got me thinking, you know, things I, I probably don't verbalize much as well. So great to have you probing. Um, and thank you. And I hope everybody else enjoyed the episode as much as we did. <laughs> and yeah, I look forward to to 50 more at least. And thank you. You're welcome. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode. If you don't want to miss one, make sure you subscribe to the show in your podcast app. And if you love it, Be sure to share it with friends and colleagues who you think could benefit from increasing their digital marketing confidence. Want more? Head to marianneamies.com to find out how you can work with me directly, to reach out to have me speak at your event, or to grab yourself some free resources.